Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority! He will give it to Donald Brown. Donald fights his way. Now balls lose luck picks it up. And luck scores! Andrew picked up the fumble and scores! Oladipo to win it! Another one! Hello everyone and welcome to the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host Sam Sinclair and I'm joined by my good friend Zach Carmichael. Zach, how are you doing today, bud? I'm good, Sam. Uh, really looking forward to what we got going here. Um, excited to get this thing started and uh, bright future here for the two of us. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Hey, first first of many, hopefully. So, um, but yeah, just a little bit about this podcast, uh, just a little bit of an introductory Um we're going to try to do one to two episodes right now before training camp starts. Uh, once training camp and football season pick up, we're going to try to do two to three episodes. You know, once Colts and Colts season in the NFL starts, we'll get to around two or three. You know, probably we'll, we'll try to have one out every Monday, Monday morning, Monday afternoon. And, of course, we'll try to have one every Wednesday or Thursday, like a pre-show almost. Um and of course, early on, it, it, obviously it's going to be false. It all it's going to be in the fall, so we're going to be heavy Colts content. But once, once the Pacer season starts in about October, November, we'll give them their love too, of course. So uh, that's just a little bit about the podcast. What our plans are going into uh, football season, and of course, once we get to basketball season, we'll address the Pacers a little bit more. So uh, we will go right into the show rundown um, today. Me, Zach, and I are going to, you know. A little bit do a little bit do of an introduction to ourselves, how we became fans of Colts and Pacers, and we'll go into a little bit of you know how the Pacers did in free agency, our thoughts and our reactions to that. So Zach, I'll I'll start off right now. Um, how did you become a Colts fan, man? Family, family, uh, big Colts fans. I kind of was raised into the Colts. My dad was a big Colts fan, um, so I kind of grew up knowing Colts. If that makes sense. Um, Really didn't go any other direction. I've always loved the Colts. When I was two years old, I could name just about every NFL team. Um, so I've always been invested in football in general. But for the Colts, uh, growing up to where I can at least remember is Peyton Manning, right? And and, and anybody listening to the show knows who Peyton Manning is. And that's kind of where you get your fandom from, from the Colts. Most Colts fans can say, you know, Peyton Manning. And that that's, that's where they get it from. That's where I got it from. I wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team. Um, I love watching the Colts every year I won't be going away from that and uh, that, that's kind of just the basis of to where I started and uh to where I plan on next generations after me to do the same thing yeah I was almost complete opposite man um you know my dad was he was he's in his almost 50s now so you know he when he was growing up he didn't have the Colts they didn't come here till 83 so he was basically out of high school at that point so uh, my fandom just came from you know, turn on TV, and they were they were on TV almost. Uh, it's kind of that's kind of a generic answer to say, but yeah, I remember my first Colts game I watched. It was 2005 Colts Steelers playoff game, and I knew almost nothing about football. And the only thing I remember was standing in front of my TV in the living room, and I watched Mike Vanderjack hit hit kick that field goal to send it to overtime. 
and it just go way, way right. And I look at my dad, and I'm like, what just happened? And my dad's like, well, the Colts just lost, and their season's over with. And then after that, I just constantly, constantly watched ESPN and NFL Network, and I learned so much football in such a short amount of time. And really, after watching that Colts game, that's when I got into sports, period. Like, I wasn't playing sports, you know, in elementary and middle school. I really didn't get into playing basketball or football or baseball or golf until, you know, I got into middle school. And, you know, I was watching sports on a regular, regular basis. And then, um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how I started my fandom. You know, the crazy thing about that is that game right there specifically has been a game that has always irked me. Um, to, to see Jerome Bettis fumble at the goal line when you think the Colts are just about out of it, and the only person that recovers that ball is Nick Harper. Nick Harper, for the fans that don't know, was stabbed by his wife that same morning or the night before, that week, something. Yep. He recovers the fumble. That's 50 yards wide of a field and can't dodge Ben Roethlisberger. And it's a game that I, it's always been under my skin. I can't <laughs> get over it, and it's, it, I, I don't think I ever will. Yeah, it, uh, I've seen a couple different angles on his re- when he was returning that fumble, and I thought maybe if he would have just cut outside, I think he went inside on Roethlisberger, tried to almost juke him. I felt like if he would have went outside, you know, maybe the Colts are playing the Patriots or the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game that year, and we're quite possibly talking about, you know, Manning winning back-to-back Super Bowls in 05 and 06. That's just, it's pretty interesting to see how, like, something very small turns into a butterfly effect almost on the whole Colts franchise, really. But I remember um, we could go a little bit real quick into, like, our games and such we've attended. I've been to one one Colts game in the RCA Dome. It was actually in 06 when they played the Texans at home. I can hardly remember it, but I remember I was sitting behind one of the goalposts, and I just remember the Colts. Of course, they beat up on the Texans early when the Texans became a franchise, so I remember that, and they were beating them pretty bad. I uh, was also at Colts Steelers uh, Thanksgiving night. I think it was in 2017, and the Pat McAfee pass and the Pat McAfee gift that cr- was created off of that. That was probably one of my favorite memories uh, as a Colts fan attending games. And also in 20, 20, yeah, 2017 is, or 2018 as well, I attended the Colts 49ers game, and I got to see Peyton reti- retire, and I saw his statue for the very first time. Um, and that was a pretty awesome moment for me. I'm trying to think of memorable memorable games that I've actually been to, and and I've been to a lot of Colts games, and maybe that's why I can't really think of it. Um, I've yet to ever been to a playoff game from the Colts. Uh, one Colts game that has stuck in my mind is I went to one away game that was against the Steelers two, three years ago. Matt Hasselbeck started that game. Uh, oh, that was rough. We got stomped, stomped, and that's the that's the game. Antonio Brown returned a punt and rode the uh, the field goal stanchion. Shook and, McAfee. Uh, he shook yeah. Pat. It was um, that was one of the memorable games, but not for the right reason. Yeah, but that, you, was, that was yeah. I'll ask you this: Do you like attending games? Of course, you've only had one experience, but do you like going to away games as a fan or home games? If I'm with my friends, um, I prefer going to an away game. Really? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you with that. Um, when I lived in Tennessee for a while, um, I got to see. The Colts and the Titans play in Nashville. I saw them in 2016 and 2017. Um, of course, I saw Luck throw the touchdown to Doyle late in 2016 and Mathis uh, fumble return for a touchdown. And then I got to see the other end of it, 2017, Monday Night Football, Jacoby Brissett and Derrick Henry just run wild on our defense. And I, I agree with you. I like going to road games because it almost feels like you're the only one there. Like you're the 
it's you and the team. It it's does. It's you and the in a 53 sense. guys, yeah. Yep. Um, I can't say that. My experience in Pittsburgh is we were waiting in line to get into the actual stadium. And, by the way, anybody listening, I'm 27. Uh, I was 25, 24 at the time. But we had a lady come around and her husband, Colts jerseys, and she had a cooler full of blue jello shots. She gave us 10 or 15 of those things. And it was just cool because all the Colts fans, you could tell we stuck together uh, when we had the chance. And uh, it was something I'll never forget. Yeah, that's time. something you that's something you really re- realize is, you know, you're a true you truly are a family and you're only, you know, it's just you and it's just you and the guys, you know, when you're on the road. And I think, you know, a lot of fans that don't attend road games or don't have a chance to, they don't really realize that. But I challenge a lot of Colts fans, go to a road game. It's one, it's a lot of fun seeing a different stadium. Two, it's di- they're different venues, so you know that atmosphere is different like you're not going to get the same thing you're not going to get the same fan exposure as kansas city as you would in like tennessee and of course you've realized you know when you're on the road you almost realize that like the team does that it's just you like you're going up against you know 50 60 70 80 000 people and it's just you know maybe 50 to 100 or so of you guys yeah, and uh, speaking of kind of which in away games, uh, I'm looking at going to week two in Tennessee. Uh, so just kind of a side note, I guess. doesn't really matter, but something I'm going to try to attend. So. Yeah, uh, one more point we'll make before we move on. But if, you re- if you've noticed, you know, Colts fans really travel well in our divisional games. I know for a fact in Tennessee, it's almost, it's about 60-40 Titans-Colts. So... Uh, of course, a lot of them sit on the Indianapolis sideline, but I've saw a couple. I sit and I sat in the end zone, where you know I, you know I'd be like two or three seats away from a couple Colts fans, or you know they're you know scattered around. They're not. It's not like they're all just sitting behind the the, the bench for the Colts. And then you look in Jacksonville, you see you, you see your fair amount of blue, and you go to Houston, and that's pretty apparent that that there's plenty of Colts fans down there. And I know a couple of Colts fans personally that actually live in Houston that go to those. Colts Texans games so I think our fans deserve a lot of credit for how well they travel especially in our divisional games because those are most our most important road games so that's just something I think people don't really realize with our fans especially kind of to follow that up too and and, you know I think this is just kind of to say but when you're when you're a Jacksonville fan or Houston fan Tennessee outside of Steve McNair and Eddie George in Tennessee um, the other teams really weren't that good right the Colts ran the division with Peyton Manning so I think a lot of people really started to get on the Colts bandwagon, if you will, for the fact that Peyton Manning was there. Divisional games were never close. We ran the division. So I think people wanted to kind of be part of that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So that's just kind of my, my final thought on that. Yeah. And so we'll go on to the next team in Indiana, the more major team, the Pacers. How did you become a Pacer fan? To be honest, specific Pacers fan, I couldn't tell you. Um, I do remember about the 2000 years. Um, Reggie Miller, Rick Smith, Derek McKee, Mark Jackson, all of them. Um, kind of, I was, I, you know, big into that. I remember my dentist office actually as a kid. Um, they had a big Rick, Rick Smith painting on the wall. It was kind of like where the kids' room is, and uh, I thought that was so cool. Um, and I really just picked up being a Pacers fan. I want to say a little bit from that, but Reggie Miller was fun to watch, like anybody would say. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. When, like I said, when I was in middle school, that's when I started picking up sports. And, you know, every Friday night, it seemed like in the winter that the Pacers were on TV. So it was just constantly, you know, turning on the TV and they were on TV. 
Uh, I, I was a big fan of um, Danny Granger, of course, when he was with the Pacers. Um, I was a big fan of Tyler Hansbrough in college. I try to, he was like my guy I looked at, looked at in basketball. And of course, when he got drafted to the Pacers, I was really hyped about that. And then, you know, I moved away a little bit from Indiana, so I wasn't able to keep up with the Pacers as much. But I was still able to see them go to the Eastern Conference Finals every year with Paul George and, you know, David West and Roy Hibbert and that crew. And, of course, you know, I'm an avid IU, IU Hoosiers fan. That's where I go to school at. So uh, I was a big Victor Oladipo guy. And, of course, he gets traded to Indiana. And, you know, that's just almost like a full circle effect for me. You know, I, I know my dad, he didn't. He wasn't particularly big into watching Pacers games, but once Victor got traded to Pacers, he kind of made sure, you know, if he was, you know, available, he was watching the games. I think that goes for every Pacers fan, really. I mean, you know, we went through the rough times with Jamal Tinsley, Steven Jackson, Ron Artest, shootings, fightings. Um, so I think as a Pacers, Pacers fan, to be able to stick through the days before that, then going through when we were a bottom team in the NBA, let alone the Eastern Conference, um, and then to make it to where we are now, it's kind of like we we feel kind of like we're deserving of that. Um, but I really do think that the team we have and the team we're getting now um, is really a team to look forward to. Yeah, and that's good. That's a good teaser. So now we're going. We'll we'll go on to our next topic since we're talking Pacers. Um, you talked about the team that we have now. Uh, let's go over the free agency and how we did. Uh, first move we made was to, in a draft day trade, we actually traded for T.J. Warren. Uh, if people don't realize, if people don't remember the trade. It was uh, the Patriots got T.J. Warren in the 32nd overall pick in the 2019 draft for cash considerations. When it ended up being a million dollars in cash. So, uh, Zach, what was your thoughts on that trade? I didn't really know the name T.J. Warren. If I'm honest, I really had to do the research into him because when you're thinking of the Phoenix Suns, you're thinking of a a team that just outside of Steve Nash, Mari Stoudemire. Yeah, they, they weren't really much. They've really have been a bad team for years now. So you don't know much about it. You think, oh, the Suns, outside of a couple big names there and Devin Booker. Um, so I looked into T.J. Warren averaging 18 points a game, um, and I think that it's a steal. Um, I mean, we got we got him for cash considerations. So I'm happy with the trade. I think a lot of people are happy with the trade, and I think uh, he's going to put us some effective time coming out of the starting lineup and uh, – He's going to be a real big help for the offense. Yeah, the, yeah. There was a big, there was a little bit of a comparison between him and Boyan, and Boyan's getting paid significantly more than TJ is now, mostly because Boyan's free agent now, and TJ signed a contract just last year. But you look at their, you look at their stats from last year, and they are so eerily similar. Of course, TJ, I feel like his usage rate was probably a little bit higher than Boyan's, um, just because Boyan was behind Victor early on in the year and then of course his usage rates got up a little bit higher while as TJ Warren he was basically the number two option in Phoenix where you know it's going to be interesting to see you know what how the offense is going to look with our other acquisitions we'll go over you know how is TJ Warren going to fit in that pecking order once we get Victor Oladipo back so uh, I don't see T.J. Warren taking, you know, 15, 16 shots a game. But if he's effective, you know, he shot under 30% his whole career at three. And then last year he bumped up to 40%. I hope that's just not a number spike. I hope that's something, you know, that could stay re- relatively consistent. If he could stay around 35 to 38%, that's going to be big for the Pacers, especially with the loss to Boyan. But the trade overall was great. And then 
Of course, that 32nd pick ended up being two other second-round picks that were involved in another free agency move we'll talk about here in a minute. But I thought the trade, when I heard that, I was like, oh, we probably gave up the 18th pick. And all we heard, all it was was cash considerations at the time, and then we hear it was a million dollars later. So I was like, wow, that was a really good trade. I definitely wasn't disappointed in the trade myself. And uh, a win-win for the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, hands down. Yeah, so we'll go on to our first official. Well, yeah, it was our first official signing of free agency around 6.30 p.m., about 30 minutes after free agency opened up. We signed Jeremy Lamb for, uh, I want to say it was three years, $31 million. Uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. It was roughly $10 to $11 million per year. Um, it was three years, 31 and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, we signed him around 6.30. I was basically our first free agency move. Um Zach, I want to hear your thoughts on Jeremy Lamb. I, I personally love the Jeremy Lamb signing. Um, I liked him coming out of UConn. I know he hasn't made much noise when he was in uh, Charlotte, New Orleans. Um, but I think that he's going to be really efficient on the Pacers. Obviously, he's going to be starting until Oladipo gets back. I think our team doesn't lack offense at all. It I think we're now. really offensive heavy. Um, and I think Jeremy Lamb, Lamb sorry, brings the defense. And that's what I really like. And that's what I'm really looking forward to when it comes to him and, and using him. So, yeah, that's that's something that's very underrated is his length. And I've saw I've seen a bunch of, you know, video of him last year, just last year, of him, you know, playing off ball and getting deflections, and getting passing lanes. And he was top 50 in the NBA in points off turnovers. And you know, the Pacers are big about getting deflections and, you know, getting out in transition and getting steals and such and forcing turnovers. So that could help Lamb out a lot. Uh, like you said, he's very efficient. Uh, if he's shooting around 35% from three, that's what we want. That's a little bit better than what Victor Oladipo does, but, you know, that's not Victor's game, of course. Um, of course, we expect Lamb to start to start, to start the year. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like on that second unit. He's definitely going to be the first option, don't you think, off that second unit? Yeah. Uh, if, if Aaron Holiday starting, he could potentially be shooting a lot, too. We know he likes to shoot. Um the outside yeah. of Holiday, I think um, it's definitely got to be Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, I think that's kind of why we signed him. So, yeah, it almost when I when I saw this signing, I was like, yeah, it's probably more likely a you know a guy to fill in now, but he's gonna be that important six man off the bench. I want to say sort of like the Tyreek Evans role, but I feel like Tyreek Evans is more of a uh-huh. he was supposed to, yeah that and I, I I feel like he was probably more brought in to be an initiator and a shot creator while Jeremy Lamb's brought in for the second unit to be a shot maker and a shot scorer, you know, a guy to, you know, give us 10 to 15 off the bench as our leading scorer off the bench. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Jeremy Lamb is a guy I really like with his shooting ability. Uh, He's not afraid to shoot too, so that's pretty nice um, as well. Uh, So we'll go to our last, well, second to last free agency move we've made. Uh, Did a, we had a sign trade. We traded um, our 2019 first-round pick, lottery protected. So, lottery protection basically just means you know if the Pacers land pick one through 15 in the lottery, they keep it. And uh, I won't go into more of the protections, but basically, if the Pacers are in the lottery this coming year and this coming draft, they'll keep the pick. If the Pacers are pat are 16 and passed, not in the lottery, the Bucks get it. And then the Bucks also got two second round picks that were acquired in the TJ Warren trade and the Pacers got uh, Malcolm Brogdon for four years, 80 
81 million, 80 million, I believe. 82, I think it was. Yeah, 82 million. So, Zach, what's your thoughts on that? Um, kind of to build off of Jeremy Lamb, I think just in general with this Pacers team and Malcolm Brogdon, uh, and when Oladipo comes back, you're talking about five players that can all shoot the three ball. And I don't think that's very common. So I think that's really special. I think Brogdon's going to come in, obviously play the point. Um, he's got, what, I mean, 6'5". So as far as uh, size, I think the Pacers are really, really in a good shape for size. Um, but great signing overall. I like it. It was that free agent that I think we all needed uh, or, all th or all think we needed, right? Yeah. And so I think that, me personally, I think that was really exciting. Um, and I'm kind of glad we obviously got that. But at overall, great signing. And, and, and to top that off, he's coming out of Milwaukee, right? So we're taking a player from, well, I mean, someone in our not only our conference but our division, right? So I think that's important. We got we got what could be probably, in my opinion, their second-best player ahead of Chris Middleton. Middleton had a great year, but I think we took their second-best player. So I'm excited for that, and I can't wait to see what he actually does, especially when the Pacers are at full strength. Yeah, like you said, he was there, he was arguably their second best player in the playoffs. Like Giannis is Giannis. He was MVP for a reason, and then you got Chris Milton. I just at times it was it was basically Brogdon and Giannis at some point, and you, we saw why he was a fifty forty ninety guy last year, and he won Rookie of the Year as a second round pick. The only person to ever do that. So it's very interesting. And then of course you hear the story about Herb Simon, you know, calling the Bucks, and giving them this offer sheet and saying, hey. You know, this is this is work. This is what we're offering. Let's make a trade. So you know, we're not cap cap held for three days or so while you guys are mulling over if we want to bring Brog if the Bucks want to bring Brogdon back. So that so that was pretty interesting. And then you, if you've watched, if the listeners have watched the Brogdon press conference, man, that guy he probably won over the whole state of Indiana. He could probably run for mayor right now and probably would win, to be honest. He he said everything that was, you know, he said all the right things in the press conference saying, you know, his agent and him wanted to play for the Pacers when he was coming out of college. You know, he loves the fit. He loves McMillan. He loves Oladipo. He said it's Oladipo's team. He said he's trying to get Oladipo to the next level. So you could see why Brogdon is a great acquisition from the Pacers' standpoint. I totally agree. And and the thing that I thought was kind of cool, too, was uh, I think everybody saw it on Twitter. TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon flew out to Vegas for the Summer League to hang out with Old Depot. I'm sure they're shooting with Old Depot, talking. And so getting that chemistry early, obviously it doesn't really matter at this point because, there's the, I mean, we still got a few months till the season. Old Depot's out till December, January time frame. But the fact they went there, still talked, got some chemistry between them, uh, I, I, I thought that was really cool, maybe a little bit uh, overlooked. I think it's actually more important than what it what people think, and so I'm really excited to see that, and uh, I hope they got good time in and Malcolm Brogdon being a good, good signing for us. Yeah, I heard Brogdon say that in the press conference. And I was like, oh, really? You're going to see Vic in Las Vegas? That's awesome. So, um, yeah, of course they probably worked out a lot. They probably, you know, worked on the game. I don't know what Vic's limitations are right now it looks like he's almost a full go he's just almost he just needs to start running and playing basketball it seems like at this point because he's you know he doesn't have a brace on anymore or he doesn't you know have a big old bulky brace you know he's shooting jump shots so that's a positive sign so um of course it's still going to be about december january by the time old depot gets back so brogdon warren 
and TJ and Jeremy Lamb, sorry, Jeremy Lamb, you know, keep the keep the team afloat around 500. Once Old Depot comes back, we could see this team in the top four in the East Conference. I think the top four is undercutting. Um, I got to be honest, Sam. I think it's a top two team with the Nets not having KD. I, I think we're better than Boston. I think obviously the only team we're not better than is the Bucks. Um, and maybe. And, and I wouldn't count that out, to be honest. So, I mean, only time will tell, right? And uh, we'll yep. see. Yeah, I just think our window to com- really compete in the East is 2020 and 2021, those two years. Not 2019 while Victor Odipo is still coming back, trying to get fully healthy like that. Even though Victor's going to be back for half the second half of the year, it's probably not going to be till 2021 till we actually see Victor Oladipo back to 100%. It's almost like the Paul George incident. You know, he came back at the end of the year. I can't remember what year exactly it was. But then it was the season afterwards where we really saw Paul George come back to his all-star level form. A little uh, off-topic here, Sam, but I mean, what's up with Indy and star players getting injured? Um yeah, I just don't know. Maybe so it's unlucky. the potholes. Yeah, it's, right, right. So unlucky. Uh, you're talking luck, PG, Victor Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. I mean, not. we're just not lucky. So we're hoping for this year to be a completely healthy year. And uh, something that I, I think Indiana sports is at an all-time high at this point right now. And um, I just can't wait to see full strength. And, yep. You know. yep. The meter's definitely pointing up for both Indiana teams. So, um We'll go a little bit into the TJ the TJ McConnell signing that hasn't officially been announced, but what, what's your thoughts on TJ McCollum? Uh, TJ McConnell, 6-2. Could play the two guard off on the second unit. I don't know how they're going to work that with uh, Aaron yeah, Holiday. It's, so yeah, I, it's going to be very small. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, but, again, you're talking about a – I don't think he'll come in ever with the first unit. No. Um, so – a rotational player coming off the bench, and uh, hopefully he gets good minutes, and that's that's what we really need from him. Yeah, I heard his second year is not fully guaranteed, or it's just a million dollars guaranteed in the first year. So it's like, you know, if he doesn't play a whole lot at all this year or he doesn't play well, they can just cut him, and there's nothing against the cap really in 2020. So I expect McConnell to come in. You know, he's going to be the five. He's almost going to be like play that Corey Joseph role, you know, where he comes off the bench. He's our best Perimeter defender, arguably, um, still a little bit undersized. You know, he's gonna he's gonna give us some playmaking. Of course, Corey Joseph, even though his shooting is inconsistent, his shooting is still probably gonna be better than T.J. McCollum's. I know McConnell doesn't shoot a whole lot from three, so I just know he'll be that guy that you know almost the oh I don't want to see the veteran leadership because he's only 27, but he's got a lot of playoff experience and he's gonna come in there. He's gonna work hard every day and he's gonna be that type of guy we need in that locker room. Yeah, and I know we talked about it before, but you're looking at the oldest player on the Pacers at 27 years old, four of them. So uh, you're talking about the youngest team I can remember, and uh, that's that's something that they were talking about is this team could stick together for the next three to four years and really build a championship. Yep. All right, Zach, so we'll final, we'll go into our final thoughts. I'll let you take the floor. Uh, kind of what I had said before uh, regarding the Pacers. Uh, I'm excited for the team. I'm just excited to see them at full strength. I don't think – Obviously, Jeremy Lamb isn't Victor Oladipo. He's going to take away from that player on the second unit, and so we're, you know, we're going to miss that. But overall, I'm excited to see what this team looks like come January, and yep. uh, and then kind of just to follow this up here, um, 
with the Colts. I'm obviously excited for the season, a week out of training camp. And uh, I think, in my opinion, this is the best roster the Colts have had in my lifetime. Oh, by far. Oh, you're saying your lifetime? Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you're by, in luck, Sarah. That's, that's, no. uh, wow, that's I, interesting. I, even the 2010 Colts, where we actually had a decent defense, um, I, I, I like this team better. That's interesting. So my th- final thoughts, um, yeah, of course, it's exciting times for Indiana sports. Of course, uh, Pacers are, you know, young and up and coming. You know, they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Colts just came back from, you know, 1-5 to 10-6 and six to division around the playoffs to, you know, the arrows. The arrows pointing up for both teams, definitely. And Indiana is going to be buzzing in December and January, you know, if the Colts have a home playoff game and Victor Oladipo is finally back for the Pacers and they're fighting for, you know, top – four seed in the east it's gonna be so much fun to watch indiana in it's gonna be so much fun to watch indiana in december and january so um that's just my final thoughts uh we'll go into a little bit of breaking news um we actually have a merchandise uh website up for you guys uh for you guys the listeners uh to buy some merch yeah um we have crew necks hoodies phone cases and a bunch of other accessories um Go to teespringsports.com slash stores slash city or circle dash city dash sports dot podcast and you can get your merch and uh, you can check it out of course um, use the promo code CCSP and get $10, uh, 10% off that's going to go through uh, probably till uh, we'll give it till Monday the 22nd of course just for you guys that um, are getting paychecks this Friday so you guys got all weekend to um, you know, make your decisions on any kind of merchandise you want to buy um depending on how we do on sales of course it, we we will probably start giving away a lot more promos um our plan is to drop pom- promos during episodes so you, so those uh loyal listeners uh you guys will definitely you know get your promos if you if you listen to the podcast of course um we hope you guys buy a bunch of merch um we're trying to grow something we just brand new started uh, I know me and Zach have been talking over and over and over again about how we can grow something that we just started. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the future looks for us. Um, of course, um, we hope you guys make sure you descri- to subscribe to the channel uh, wherever you're listening to and make sure you give us a review and a rate. Um, and we hope you guys have a great rest of the day.